Hello and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spezia, and today is April 29th, 2017. This is the 24th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com slash call. Hope this week has been finding you well, uh, you know, good on the game front, but also in life. Uh, I beat Persona 5 this week. That was really exciting. That took me 85 hours on easy mode. I'd love to tell you all sorts of stats, but uh, if you don't already follow me on Twitter at Peter J. Spezia, uh, S-P-E-Z-I-A there. Uh, yeah, so I, I listed off some stats when I, I beat the game and I tweeted out a pick and all that stuff. So, uh, But if you haven't done that yet, we're looking forward to the Persona 5 spoiler cast. And speaking of spoiler casts, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild spoiler cast that we recorded for the show finally went out. It was a, it was a monster to edit. I think we trimmed like half an hour out of the whole recording time. So got it down to a nice and tidy 90 minutes. So good listen, uh, if, especially if you've beaten Breath of the Wild. So go check that out. That's on youtube.com slash rhymes with Asia. So I want to thank everyone that participated in that. Persona 5 spoiler cast looking at next weekend. I think at that point, it'll be a month since the that big game came out. And uh, a lot of people have beaten it since then. And so that's, I guess it's your one week warning to go and beat that game uh, to try to, to catch up there. So that will be happening uh, as far as the main topic this week. Uh, actually, a lot of things happen in the game industry. I mean, Nintendo announced a surprising new hardware line. That was interesting. Uh, you know, Certain things like the Call of Duty World War II reveal. I think that was about what everyone expected, uh, but there was a certain story that caught my eye, and I wanted to kind of talk about it in the overarching theme stakes. It's important when it comes to the game industry and how gaming is a worldwide hobby. Uh, and I'm talking about the story that deals with Akiba's Beat, uh, a game that it's a sequel to Akiba's Strip. Akiba's Trip, uh, Strip, uh, it's, a, it's a little play on words. It's a Japanese game uh, for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita. So Akiba's Beat is about to come out, I suppose. Uh, and there was a localization specialist named Tom Lipschultz who asked to be removed from the credits of the game. Now, it's, it's an odd headline that kind of jumps out at you. And then you read even deeper to it, and uh, it's, it's an unusual story. So it starts in this Akiba's Beat game where there's a sign in the game, in the background, that it's it's making a parody of the Japanese light switch company NKK Switches, and so I guess in in the Japanese pun, just you know, changing things and making a pun, they say KKK Witches. Well, when you're bringing the game over to America, KKK does not fly that well. Obviously, a lot of terrible things can get associated with that. So you know. KKK Witches uh, seems like something that should be changed when it comes to localization. I think that is generally fair to say, uh, just from the outside looking in, not even working ever at a localization company, not even having experience in the field, but yeah, they should probably change that. Well, this, uh, this Tom Lipschultz individual said, he said, quote, I personally felt KKK Witches was pretty funny for its shock value, but when I mentioned it to my coworkers, they were not as amused. You don't say. 
Well, it turns out then Exceed, the uh, you know American localizing publishing arm, uh, they went to the developer known as Acquire over in Japan. Uh, went to them to directly to discuss the matter, basically asking like, hey, KKK kind of means something pretty bad here. Is that what you meant or is you making just a joke? And Acquire's going, oh, no, 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 uh, that's, that's not what we meant. Please change that. That's not our intent to create any kind of drama like that. So uh, Xseed went and changed it. And now I guess the sign in the game would say ACQ witches, which it's just, it's a throwaway thing. I mean, it means really nothing. But to Lipschultz, this was, this was unforgivable. This was such a big thing that he wanted to put his foot in the ground and set his stake there. So he says, quote, that because KKK witches isn't being removed to aid the player's comprehension, but to avoid offending people and to avoid the possibility of retailers protesting, it infringes on the game's artistic value. And so he is making a stand saying, remove me from the credits because he is the kind of person that believes any changing of anything in a game is deemed censorship. And we can't have censorship because it comes across that he's the kind of person that would place it all. It's on the SJWs. And when you start throwing that around, to me, the argument loses merit entirely. Uh, when he talks about saying that, oh, I thought, thought KKK witches was pretty funny, but I guess everyone else didn't. Maybe your sense of humor is not as good as you think it is. Maybe it's kind of out of line. Uh, honestly, I think when it comes to localization, the difference in cultures has to be considered. Uh, and that's what was done here. Apparently, it was more egregious to Tom Lipschultz that Exceed went to acquire, to discuss this, instead of just making the decision on their own. Like, that was a big thing. So, a lot of people are saying that, like, is this the hill you really want to die on? And I kind of want to reiterate that point. Like, of all the things that you want to make your stand on, like, you're going to make your stand on a KKK reference that wasn't even intended, but is changed to, you know, kind of match the tone of what was intended, right? Because localization, it's such a, a tricky process, I would imagine, to try to go from a different language, to try to match what is intended, not a direct translation. I mean, you're going to lose a lot of issues you know, that way if you try to go direct translation, but to try to uh, you know, make you know, the, the point be the same. And so the difference in cultures does have to be considered. But you have issues in the past where it's, you have, uh, have Xenoblade Chronicles X, uh, where you had a bikini on a 13-year-old character, and that was censored in America, even though we have different laws about those who are underage. Same thing with those who are wearing uh, you know, some more risque attire on underage characters in Bravely Default. Uh, you First, you have to consider the ESRB. Uh, that, that's such a big thing in America. Uh, it's, you know, you have a lot of, you know, high graphic or violent or sexual content that maybe the game is adults only and they maybe they want to push for the M or whether you're going M to teen. But at the same time, yeah, you, you so you have the artistic vision, which, uh, you know, that you throw about and some people compare that what to to Mass Effect 3 uh, with their artistic vision, the artistic integrity. And I think that's something different entirely. I mean, what's what works in Japan doesn't necessarily work in America because of cultural differences. And maybe it all goes back to uh, something political. 
when people don't like the idea of globalization, I guess what? We're becoming more of a global economy. Some people don't want that, but you have to consider other cultures. Uh, it's, it's not so insular, really. Um, so when you throw artistic integrity or artistic vision about just to uh, you know, keep something that is misappropriated, like this KKK witches, uh, I, yeah, you're dying on the wrong hill. You're making the wrong stand, and I think you're giving localiz- you know, localization really a bad name. Uh, it also applies, uh, oddly enough, to Persona Five because Persona Five has had some interesting uh, issues about its localization or its translation. Uh, you have very unusually, you know, spoken lines or written lines that just come off as like, huh? Like this could have been trimmed up a little bit. There was, you know, the idea that you have multiple writers. Maybe you're getting some mixed tone throughout the game, uh, which I'll say as a response to that, I mean, it's it's really, you know, just drops in an ocean, to be honest. Yes, articles do look bad when you put line after line after line next to each other, but in a, you know 80 to 100 hour experience, like it's, it's minimal. Yeah, maybe you notice a couple, but if it really takes you out of the experience, I think it's, you know, the whole making a mountain out of a molehill kind of thing. Uh, Kotaku also had an article in Persona 5, you know, related that was pointing to a pop quiz question and saying, oh, well, there's this, you know, cursive kanji for gold. And it's based off of a, a kind of a, a trick question in a way in Japanese and saying like, well, how could American audiences know this? And, you know, that really applies to many of the questions. I actually found some of the localization personified rather amusing. Uh, there's a question and it's not spoilers. I'm not trying to you know spoil anything, but there's a question like the, one of these pop quizzes in class in Persona 5 asking about chronostasis and uh, chronostasis. Like basically what is, what is asking? What is, what does this word uh, mean? Or essentially, you know, when, when it seems like a second is frozen, uh, like second frozen in time, what is this called? The answer chronostasis. But one of the options, was the world. Uh, and, you know, when you go back to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and Zawarudo and people even making the comparison to Super Smash Brothers Brawl with Luigi's Final Smash and how time stops, uh, a clever localization. I, don't, I can't say if that was in Japanese and they brought it over, but, you know, that's, that's amusing. Um, so I think some of those issues are, you know, again, drops in an ocean. Um, there was one other kind of localization thing that I think maybe it brings it up a little bit more and talks about the difference in culture. Uh, and people compare Persona 5 and Persona 4 and say, uh, Persona 4 handled LGBT issues better. Uh, I think that is a fair critique. Um, you know, Persona 5, when you're talking about, talking about LGBT uh, circumstances. There are a couple characters that come off as effeminate gay men uh, in certain scenes, and you know, in in that game, it tries to play it off as uh, humor, uh, and it's it's very Japanese kind of humor. But it's it was something when I, I personally, when I was playing it over here in the states, it's like that could have been handled better for a Western audience. But again. It's a very Japanese game, and you're going in there with that mindset. I mean, considering the circumstance, what they're not going to, yeah, censor the scene entirely because of something like that, I suppose. Uh, but it's it's just something you have to keep in mind. It's the difference in cultures, and so the translation, the localization with what happened, I'm sure was handled, you know, at the best they could at, over at Atlas. But uh, it, it just shows the difference in cultures. I mean, if you wanted to play a strictly Japanese game, and you just wanted to go about that and not have anything change at all, then learn Japanese. 
play the Japanese game as intended. Go live in Japan. Be all about that life. Because, you know, when you're playing games in the United States, you know, some of these games may not even get localized, period. Uh, you may have fan translations, things like that. Uh, but you do have to keep economics into account. You have to keep culture into account. Uh, so I think when you have people like this Tom Lipschultz fellow who uh, who wants to keep a KKK reference because he thought it was a shock value sort of humor thing, I think it's missing the point of what gaming is today and the process that people go. And, you know, for him to be a localizer, uh, I think that that's in my opinion, just someone outside looking in, I think that almost degrades, you know, the work that localizers do. I mean, they put in so much time and so much effort and to have that kind of perspective just to say, you know, let's, let's just keep it. Let's, let's shock the American audience. I, I think that's missing the point of what localization is. And, you know, people can cry censorship all they want. I mean, we can even, you know, talk about if you're interested, you know, if we want to call in and say, uh, let's, let's talk about, you know, different censored moments in games. I mean, you could talk about hot coffee in Grand Theft Auto. Uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's something to consider. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's done for the ratings board. So, like, there are different reasons to all these things. And so when you say, I'm against any and all censorship because of uh, the PC culture, and you start to throw about those things, I think that kind of waters down. At the end of the day... Let's let's make it clear. Like localization is not censorship. It's the title of the episode, all of that. But we got to make it very clear on what localization is versus direct translation versus when things are changed and why things are changed. So the long and short of it, that's what I have to say. Now, when we come back, we'll get to the callers. What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts, but you can also talk about any gaming topic you like to discuss, whether it's what you're playing recently, your favorite games, anything of the sort. And also, you can respond to what another caller had to say as well. That's all when we come back, here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to The Power Switch. Looking forward to what you have to say, whether it's about localization or censorship or even some news like Nintendo and and their big hardware reveal. Just all sorts of things to talk about. Looking forward to it. Joining us from New Jersey, Matt, welcome back to the Power Switch. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Pretty good. I'm desperately trying to finish Persona. Oh, yep, yeah. I, I think you're pretty close from what I've been reading in different chats uh, you're saying, but yeah, there's there's still a little bit to go. Um, how are you How are you liking it so far? I, I can't say that it's going to beat Breath of the Wild for me. There are... Mm -hmm. There are too many fundamental things that are like, this has been a problem in the series for so many years, and I don't even see them trying to fix it. Mm. But it's still like one of the one of the best games I've ever played. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those odd bounces. It's it's quite a year. Yeah, like this 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 has been a very strong year so far. But on the topic of localization, mm -hmm. um, Persona Five feels like a fan sub. There are, are parts with that, yeah. So I'm curious to hear like your perspective on that. So the Kotaku article that you brought up with like the Shogi piece, that was that was just dumb. Mm -hmm. Like that that's a piece of culture. You can't remove that from the game without changing, you know, the fact that this is a quintessentially Japan game. Yep. But how many times in this game do you hear the phrase "it can't be helped"? Like 
that is just such a fan sub kind of thing to do because it can't be helped is the word shogunai in Japanese, which is a pretty common term to use and literally translated, it's it can't be helped. But in, in English, we don't say it can't be helped like that so often. There are a ton of places throughout the game in most of the dialogue that I can feel that it was originally in Japanese. And like to me, that's that's not a matter of preserving the culture that's a matter of not really understanding the language because the point of the localization should be to retain the the meaning of everything and the culture of everything but making it more understandable and i've i've seen like the idea that in localization if you have someone say an expression you shouldn't literally translate that expression because it's a japanese expression you should use an equivalent English expression because an English-speaking audience will understand that and understand the intent behind the phrase more. And I feel like Persona 5, on the whole, doesn't do that. There are definitely some really good moments in the localization, but I would feel that it's more the opposite of how you said. I would feel that, on the whole, it's not bad, it's not unreadable, but it is kind of mediocre. Mm -hmm. And... I've seen reports say that the um, the localization team didn't get a finished script until the game had released in Japan. Yeah, and that that is inexcusable. Uh, I think you know going along, and we were thinking in in the build up to that game, we were almost thinking like, well, well, surely Atlas knows like they should be working in tandem with it. Like, if you want to try to make both games launch at the same time, you got to be working in tandem. And yeah, if that's the case, like that's that's pretty inexcusable to get it at that point. Um, that may explain why they had to kind of redo. Uh, some of the like the dialogue and all that some of you know put forth more of the effort there uh, and then if you're hiring more people uh, I think it's you know from the same sort of article making the point but when you're hiring more people you don't have the the consistent voice yeah and it's it's very obvious that like certain characters were written by different by different writers like mm-hmm. Ryuji on the whole is very well done um, I, I would say that almost all of his dialogue is pretty perfect um, but other characters like uh, the interrogator Sai Nijima, almost every line that she says is like broken English. Mm, mm. And I feel like the localization. A lot of people don't don't realize the problems with it because the voice acting itself is really really good. Yes, it is. Yes, um, it is. I, absolutely. So, all credit to you know the voice cast there. Yeah, and I feel like the voice cast is doing such a good job that we're understanding more through their performance, so we don't really recognize that the actual words they're saying don't flow as well as they should. Hmm. I would say that on the whole, like this game shows the signs that the localization was rushed. And I don't know how that happened because in the Japanese version at launch, like there was accidentally a line from the localization, like of a recorded voice line that you could run into in the game. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how that happens if, like the localization hasn't really been properly started yet. So yeah, I'm sure there's a story to be told. It'd be, it'd be really interesting to, to find out what that is. I feel like this, like this game might've had like some troubles in development that we never, that we didn't really see. And you know, most games that have trouble with development end up coming out a, a poor product, but uh, that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that a troubled development will doom your products. The original Star Wars had a really, really troubled production, and it came out one of the, you know, one of the most iconic films of all time. So 
I would speculate we're seeing that situation with Persona. I think that it probably had a very troubled production and was one of the lucky ones that came out fantastic. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, because you know, playing through it, like I agree with you know, getting the intent across. Like I'm not stopping and analyzing, and especially you know, for some of the things like the the text messages, uh, the way that's done. Like I'm I'm flipping through it, like I'm I'm getting the gist of it. But yeah, if I, if I'm sure if I stopped and broke down each individual thing, like that, I could probably find some flaws there. Uh, it kind of reminds me, I was you know, kind of doing some research into this, and I came across an article, I think it was also on Kotaku, but it was months ago, it was uh, Patrick Klepek when he was working there, as opposed to Waypoint. And uh, he was talking about a case with Final Fantasy X, apparently years ago, and uh, at the end of that game, you know, the, there was the line, Arigato, which... I've seen I, his article. Yeah, and so I, I didn't know that, you know, for those that haven't read it, apparently, literally translated in Japanese, I guess it's something like, there was great struggle is like the direct translation, but you know, we, you know, it as thank you. Uh, but I guess in that game, there's a finality to it set at the end of the game. And, uh, so I guess the translation and localization ended up being, I love you. And they went and checked with the original writer and went over it and that got approved. Uh, but it's like, is, is that censorship or is that, you know, localization? So it's, it's interesting. So you make a very good point when it's, you know, localization should be taking both cultures into account. It's you know I what would is say that that is a, yeah. a very good localization. That is an example of a good one because if you were to just translate it as thank you, which most people would translate arigato as, that's not like, it doesn't mean the same. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to rewrite a line from the ground up to convey the same meaning because localization isn't just about a translation. It's about understanding what's going on. And you need like you need someone for a successful localization. You need one person that really understands Japanese and one person that really understands English. Yeah. And yeah. You you need someone on both sides. It's not just about being proficient in one language because you need to be a writer. You need to write something that the audience will understand while also understanding what the original Japanese was supposed to be. You know, just I, I would not be able to have localized that moment because I know that arigato means thank you, but I don't know that it means there was a great struggle. I don't know that it means you know we've been through all this together. Yeah, and it, it takes that extra level of knowledge. Yes, I feel like Persona Five had difficulty on the English side of things, and that that's not to say that the team that was working on it wasn't talented because I, I'd say the fact that they did it all in like three months was probably a big part of ha- of the whole thing, but it comes down to a matter of, you know, regardless of the reason, something didn't quite work. And it was, you know, overall, Persona 5 is fantastic across the board, but I'd say the version that we got in America has some clear problems. Now, if I may ask you, while still on the Persona 5 topic, I mean, with with the LGBT issues that people have been bringing up and the concerns there, uh, where do you stand on that as someone who's you know, very very near the end of the game? There is a legitimate argument there, but also we need to pick our battles. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. Like, yes, that is a very poor representation of the LGBT community, but this is a thoroughly Japanese product. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't anything that the localization team could have done without outright censorship. And this is a problem that is much more systemic than 
like part of Japanese culture is that the LGBT community isn't taken as seriously there, even as it is in America. As yep. bad as things can look here, we really do have it, you know, among the best of the world. So, while I would agree this is a a poor moment and it's handled very badly in the game, I think that in the context of this is a product of Japan, this is not you know like you said the hill that we want to die on. This is not the hill we want to die on. Mm. The hill that we want to die on is something like Mass Effect, uh, a product made in America, where we can directly address American culture. Yes. I'd say Mass Effect Andromeda had very real concerns with how it handled LGBT issues. So if if we're going to focus on something, we could fo- we should focus on that because it's the culture that we understand and it's the culture that we can directly address. Hmm. I I totally agree. Do you think that it's because of you know Persona Five's more mainstream appeal this time around when you compare it to something like Persona 4. I mean, we never saw these kind of, you know, these this outrage, whether it's with localization or or with the LGBT issues in Persona 4. Do you think it's because of the, the mainstream success and the critical acclaim that Persona 5 has gotten that people want to maybe be contrarian and take it down? I would say so. I, 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 you and me, we've been we've been into Persona for years, and we've we've known we've known that Persona is something great. But Persona 5 is the first one that has really had widespread mainstream success. I know a lot of people who this is their first Persona game. They they had they didn't really know anything about the franchise, but they had heard that this one was getting so much buzz that they decided to jump in on this one. So I would say definitely that it's getting so much more exposure. And because this is the first one that has reached this wide audience, it's the one that's going to be examined the most harshly because it has the most eyes on it. Hmm. I, I need to desperately finish this game. <laughs> yep, yep. I, uh, everyone was telling me, like, even on the on the safe mode difficulty, uh, the dungeon that I just finished, they had to split it up into two in-game days. And I did it in one in-game day, but the consequence was that it was an entire real-life week. Yeah, I uh, I did it in one in-game day as well. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think I played for almost, like, you know, two days straight. It's yeah. it's it's rough. I mean, when you get just to bear in mind, when you get to the final boss of that area, like from the start of that point to the end of that game, it's like another eight hours. So yeah, so keep it in mind. I have uh, I have several confidants that I want to try to get to maximum. I finished the du- the dungeon very early in the in the period of time that you have for oh, it. Oh okay, so. yeah. I I did it like the last possible day. So yeah. So I've still got time to get some confidants done, but I've, I haven't got a lot of time. So I need to choose the ones that I think I'll actually be able to finish, not necessarily the ones that I want to. That is that's an important point. Yeah, make your save files, choose wisely. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's tough. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to think. So yeah, next weekend we have our uh, spoiler cast. So looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. So Matt, people can find you on Twitter at Grimace Do Menace. Uh, anything you'd like to plug? I want to plug Heroes of the Storm, Blizzard's less loved cousin right now. <laughs> I feel like I need to personally defend the game because everyone is making jokes about how they're only playing it because of Overwatch bonuses. Um, but I've been playing Heroes of the Storm for almost three years now. I love it. I I want it to stop being such a joke. So please, everyone, give it a try if you're even remotely interested in the MOBA genre. Yeah, it's... uh. <laughs> It's a good thing. I think they just uh, introduced Diva, actually, didn't they? They, uh, she's not in the game yet, but they've revealed that she is going to be coming to the game soon. Okay, okay, um, the there's that. Hero is Genji. Yeah. Okay. 
Very interesting. Well, thank you so much for your time. It'll be fun to talk more about Persona, but uh, figure to have you on. Like that's thank you for calling in. That's that's great insight. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, take care. And joining us from Illinois, Video Game Guru sixty four. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Good to be back. Yes, absolutely. What would you like to talk about today? First topic I was going to talk about was uh, Nintendo and relying too much on ports. They're good ports. They're good ports, but they're ports nonetheless. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and that's that's an issue. I mean, with Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, I mean, that that does come to the forefront. Um, yeah. Why do you think it's you know too much on ports? If I may ask. Well, you have uh, it, it's really not a port, but it's still somewhat of a port of Legend of Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild since it's on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you get Payday 2 coming uh, later uh, this year. You get uh, Street Fighter uh, 2, which is already out on several different consoles. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly more games to make that point. I mean, you have the Lego City Undercover. You have indies like Stardew Valley. Uh, so, you know, there are certainly options there uh if i may make a counterpoint though i think in my opinion like there's there are two factors here so one not many people bought wii u or at least certainly not you know as many as nintendo had hoped so the system had great software on it great titles uh so i think the idea of bringing that to a new Nintendo system for more people to play because Nintendo Switch continues to sell out wildly. They put out new sales figures for the Q1 financials for Nintendo. Is that something like it's, you know, 2.75 or something like that million units sold? Like it's it's doing remarkably, it's it's doing remarkably well. Uh, It's continuing to have, you know, some supply shortages, but that's, it's more a very high demand. Uh, Breath of the Wild, still an over 100% attach rate on Switch, which is crazy, uh, just remarkable there. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're wanting to build that software base first. You have, you want to build the software base, you can build the install base so that you can attract more third parties. It, it's this game that has to be played. I mean, you could almost yeah. made the case in, you know, PS4 and Xbox One that like, oh, a lot of, lot of ports happening here, a lot of remasters, and it's like, well, they have to build that game base to further uh, grow the console. Also, you're having a lot of indies, I would say, also appealed by the idea of, well, now we can have our game on a portable system. Uh, and I think that's certainly what you're seeing with Stardew Valley. Uh, you know, they had a, a console version come out with PS4 and Xbox One, but the appeal with Switch is, you know, one, not only get it on a Nintendo platform, but with the Switch being portable, that adds an extra dimension there. They're talking about you know, with the multiplayer involved with that, uh, especially with local multiplayer with Switch. So you kind of want there to be ports, at least at the start. Now, we're still very early in the Switch's life cycle. Uh, and we'll see at okay. E3 where they want to continue with that. But, yeah. Axiom Woods, uh, he wanted them to uh, go uh, do a Switch version, but Nintendo's uh, having trouble or not uh, having it or something like that. Yeah, there are a couple interesting stories popping up, and that, yeah, they're one of them. Um, I think there's, and I can't speak fully to it, but, you know, there's some issues yeah. with, uh, like, curation of games. Uh, there was a podcast I was listening to where... Lauren Lanning of uh, Oddworld Creation was talking about Nintendo Switch and that with Nintendo, it's it's a matter of how they curate the content in their store. Uh, and basically, if it's not day and date with other 
platforms or if it's not like some sort of exclusive like it won't get the promotion in the eShop uh, so it's something that Nintendo's learning I would imagine like you know to try to really embrace this digital future like they still have some growing pains there that you know Xbox and PlayStation have learned long ago uh, but yeah so there's there's some concern with Axiom Verge there maybe PlayStation Xbox uh, I don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah and then uh, the other uh, topic that I wanted to talk about is uh, the new uh, fighter for arms DNA A-Man or as he's known here Helix Helix yes yes why can't we stick with the name DNA man <laughs> that, that, it's, that's it's video game ce- yeah it's censorship <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know it's, you know why is why is why is it Jigglypuff here but it's Purin in Japan like what yeah. games are that <laughs> no well the problem with uh, DNA man is like it like actually makes sense to Helix heals, so I, I don't know what's the difference. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, not honestly, I, I didn't know it was DNA, man. I just knew Helix. I saw the different trailers, but that considered, like, Helix is a really, really good name. That considered. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Though, uh, we have uh, Matt pointing out in the Discord chat over at rhymeswithasia.com slash call, uh, say Flubber. Flubber is also a an apt visual yeah. comparison. <laughs> yes, that's true, too. <laughs> Okay, so I was at 3 in the morning, maybe at 2 in the morning. Uh, that just suddenly ca- came out of nowhere. <laughs> and like, that's weird. <laughs> it's, it seems to like, be almost I, the timing I, with, uh, with Nintendo announcements. I mean, we could also talk about uh, Nintendo 2DS XL and uh, how they're making it more 3DS-like with the clamshell and all that. But they announced that on a Thursday at like 9 p.m. Eastern time. And it's like, yeah, only Nintendo can get away with that. And new hardware announcement right there. Just bam. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I wonder if it's, you know, timing in Japan and then you have time zones to consider. That's that's possible. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's certainly interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then Arm um, seems to be shaping up into a uh i think it's a maybe a good uh fighter but i i don't know the fighting community as well as you do so yeah and even then like i'm outclassed by many others as well it's really gonna really depend on when that game gets in the hands of people i think it has potential especially if you don't consider the motion controls like it's gotta have you know tactile button input uh, there's yeah. there's certain design choices where like there's there's potential for a community to grow. You have the changing of fighters in between rounds, uh, the customization of the arms. Uh, you know yeah. you can have some some mind games, some metagame versatility there. Uh, but it all depends on how many people are going to pick it up. And uh, I think Nintendo is going about you know trying to release like a big game a month. Uh, that's it's a good way to start on N- Nintendo Switch. You know. Give Mario Kart 8 Deluxe about a month. Maybe people will be itching to play something new. And hey, a fighting game uh, is a new genre. I think uh, Street Fighter 2, the uh, final chapter, is releasing next month. May. Yeah, it's uh, and then, May, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, Minecraft Switch Edition is releasing in May. Mm-hmm. At the same week or something like that. Yeah, and, and so for those ones, it goes back to your point of ports. I mean... They're good games to kind of flush out a library. You know, some people will be very interested yeah. to play Minecraft on uh, Switch, especially if they had their Wii U worlds that are now going to be much bigger. Or uh, if they're really interested with uh, the Street Fighter 2 kind of port uh, to have the Hadouken with 
the Joy-Con. Yeah. If they really want to do that, then maybe they're interested there. But I mean, again, the the appeal there is you're going to have the local multiplayer. It's you know, if people really grew up on Street Fighter Two back in the day, just to go pick it up and play someone else portably. Yeah, that's that's an appeal there. So what then do you make of the uh, Nintendo 2DS? I mean, just talking about Nintendo news in general. I mean, you see that uh, announcement. What do you make of it? They're stretching out the 3DS uh, lifespan a little too far mm-hmm. because it really didn't need a revision. I'm glad they have a revision, but it really, yeah... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's, it is interesting to see how they kind of uh, stretch it out like that. Uh, one, it's kind of a giving up the whole 3D thing. They're kind of embracing that, you know, 3D was good for the time. I don't wouldn't say it was a failure, uh, but it was a, a sign of the times when 3D TVs were a big thing. And that's not really the case anymore. Everyone's pushing more 4K. Uh, so kind of abandoning that, leaving that behind, that's fine. You know, give some more processing power. Uh, to render that because you know some issues for that was you know you had the 2d of uh, the two screens that were rendered in 3d that would you know have uh frame rate hits on like pokemon x and y so you give a little more performance there uh yeah by scrapping that that's fine um I, you know probably should have seen it coming when certain things were lining up for july 28th like ever oasis and metopia so for july 28th to be the release date there um a refresh would have made sense certainly i think it's just hedging the bet if for whatever reason Switch does not work out, uh, they have that. And I think it's also testing the waters to see uh, if a two-pronged approach for Nintendo still applies. Uh, whether you have a premium Switch product and then you have a more entry-level, just handheld-only base system. Uh, I think it's kind of testing the waters to see if that will still apply. And now whether they go forward you know, after this line of 3DS games and say, oh, we'll have a Switch Lite that is only portable and not you know a tv component as well i i think they're just trying to see like where they are but it also gives a good fallback if for whatever reason switch doesn't work because 3ds continues to sell continues to be a popular platform i'm surprised at uh the sales of um mario kart 8 deluxe and how it's outselling the the breath of the wild yeah, that's you know, in a way, I'm surprised. Yeah, you know, I think you're referring to what, the Amazon charts and how yeah. it's uh, it's you know at the top for 2017. Um, but gosh, I mean, Mario Kart Wii sold gangbusters on Wii for not being a packing title for the longest time. Uh, you know, Mario Kart 8 was huge on Wii U. It has the the cross audience appeal there, whereas something like Zelda may not have. Um, yeah. So you know, there's there is that. Um, but it, yeah, it is interesting to see. It's like it's topping sales for all of 2017 so far, uh, and that, yeah. I think that's pretty crazy to see what it's falling short of, like the what the PSN cards or whatever. But yeah, that's uh, to have it be so soon. Like that that shows that you know, switches is a uh, pretty popular at the moment, and I wonder what the attach rate for that will be. Like that's got to be another well, gosh, 90 percent maybe. The other thing I wanted to mention is the rumor of. Uh, Mario and Luigi uh, uh, Superstar Saga. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming through the 3DS or something. Why would you do that? Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah, that's, it, it's yeah. already on the uh, Wii U. Why would you release it on the, on the 3DS and it would probably have like an extra mode or something? Yeah, I think it's an odd choice for 
a uh, and it depends on how they remaster it or, or port it or what have you because uh, there is the virtual console possibly as an option uh, it, it's still a great game you know it still holds up to this day uh, so it, it may just be a need for 3ds only uh, software just let, let's find something and we need to carry the life on for 3ds like just put it there uh, that's that's possible um, yeah that that rumor is interesting that's people digging in the code and finding that uh, I thought when you were talking about rumor, there's a rumor going around in Japan right now that Sony has put up big bucks to get the next Monster Hunter on PlayStation 4. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That was last November, but that uh, led to an article of uh, 4chan or something, and it, and it had not very good uh, sources. So it may be... Maybe true or maybe not be true. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about what a seismic shift that would be, um, yeah. just because it's been so big for Nintendo. Uh, but then it's also in line with Capcom is saying that you know, in addition to Resident Evil Seven, we have another big unannounced title, and it's like if you're putting on the level of Resident Evil Seven, like what could sell, you know, that much? Or are you just saying that oh, Devil May Cry Five or something like that would be a big possible title? So. Uh, just something to keep an eye on for for posterity's sake. If that does come through, like that would be I, huge. I really hope it's not true because Monster Hunter on the Switch, it would be would amazing. Sell yeah, yeah, amazing. It, it would, would sell like so much because the last few Monster Hunter games, I really don't like how they lay out the buttons and everything, and it's so complicated and mm. it's not really that good of a system to play monster hunter on but the switch would be an amazing system to play monster hunter on it really would so, and i think you know nintendo's built up a lot of goodwill with that and it's it's sold really well uh so that would be a, a business shift of seismic proportions if that were to happen again still in the rumor phase uh i would put that at you know you know 40 percent maybe of happening so like i'm not even you know favorable of that but uh, just something to keep in mind. Like that would be really interesting. All right, oh. Video Game Guru sixty four. We can find you on the internet, Twitter, all sorts of places at Video Game Guru sixty four. Anything you'd like to plug? A series called Egg Busters. It's uh, he's finding uh, little Easter eggs in games and proving them true or false. So he goes by the username uh, that one show fun. Okay. Yeah. So something on YouTube then. Yeah. Something on YouTube. Okay. All right. Well, definitely check out Eggbusters. Thanks so much. Uh, really appreciate you calling in. Good to talk Nintendo news with you. And uh, hope you have a great night. Yep. All right. Thanks for calling in, guys. When we come back to the Power Switch here, we'll go through what it means to me. But this time, a new game release comes out Mario Kart. I'll go through kind of where my history lies with Mario Kart. And uh, it'll be fun to reminisce. So that's when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's tempo control music is brought to you by Mega Man 2. You can find a new video game music top 10 list from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at youtube.com slash rhymeswithasia. Now let's go through what it means to me. Let's talk about Mario Kart and my personal history with it. Uh, many people start talking about Mario Kart with Mario Kart 64. I mean, that's 
for people my age, that's kind of like the game to talk about. But because I never owned an N64, it was more going to friends' houses and playing that and not being very good at it, not knowing anything about, you know, turns aside from just, you know, hold down, accelerate and, and go. And you have, you have some fun with it. I mean, college, that was a pretty fun game to play. Uh, you know, certainly in the earlier years of college. Uh, for then, uh, you know, Super Mario Kart going bef- back before then, I only played that really a couple times. I even went to like a, a video game museum at university and uh, just tinker around with that a couple times, but had never really played. Like that is a game that does not hold up as well, especially when you factor in the newer Mario Kart games. Uh, so in 2008, and oddly enough, it's like, you know, very close to nine years on the dot. I think it was April 27th, 2008 for Mario Kart Wii. Uh, and you know, here we're here just a couple days later in two, uh, 2017. Mario Kart Wii was a big one. Uh, you know, that was that game sold so much on Wii, and uh, you know, introducing the bikes, and you had the the lift of the Wii remote to pop the wheelie on the bike and get that boost. Uh, you know, some new characters. Uh, you had had Rosalina in there. That's that's a big one. You know, uh, coming off of Super Mario Galaxy, uh, that was who I primarily played. And there, when it came to uh, you know Mario Kart 64, I was Yoshi, for the record. I wasn't wasn't Toad, so don't worry there. Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of great fun with Mario Kart Wii, uh, especially when the Wii got into like the hacking scene. There was a lot of interesting stuff happening there. Where there was, I remember Mario Kart Black was like a a hacked project where you had custom tracks and all sorts of things, and uh, some good memories there for sure. I wasn't as big into Mario Kart Seven on 3DS. Uh, My brother was, my wife certainly was. Um, I tried to get into it a little bit, but it just didn't catch on as much for me. Don't know for whatever reason why. Uh, But then Mario Kart 8 was another big one uh, when that came out on Wii U and gosh, unlocking all the tracks there and uh, good memories there. I mean, come to think of it, it's, you know, one of the best cases and it's still a reference to this day for Nintendo DLC. Uh, They did downloadable content so right on Mario Kart 8 and uh, to see it Come out here with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I'm going to pick that up in a few days when finances work out a little better for that. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to really enjoy kind of going back to those tracks and the little changes like the double items and, you know, the extra third uh, drift burn with the pink and getting that extra boost there. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Mario Kart 8 Deluxe sells, you know, well enough on Switch that they can say, oh, well, you're going to have a free update and here's more, you know, battle mode tracks. Like, you know, battle mode isn't something I've, you know, put my foot in the ground and say, like, I, I need this. Like, I don't have really many memories with that uh, personally. But to see battle mode come back in deluxe here, the way that people remember it, uh, that's it's, it's great because that was one of the big weaknesses of the game on Wii U. And so, you know, to make an excellent game even better, uh, is something that is remarkable, especially for Nintendo Switch, uh, to kind of see all that pers- uh, just perfected, really. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting around to playing that. Uh, you know, Mario Kart's it's it's not a game I'd say, oh, it's in my favorite games of all time, but it's, it's good fun with friends. It'll be interesting to see if a newer game beyond that, when that comes out, whether it's for a Switch or for a, a future Nintendo system, uh, but, you know, I have, I have good memories with Mario Kart, you know, just going back to with friends before college, through college, and now beyond into adulthood. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. 
We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch by going to podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call. It's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. Uh, if you want a YouTube video to watch, that one video gamer, The Completionist, finally completed The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, The Madman. Such an effort, and uh, he put together a great video. I mean, he does great work every week with The Completionist, but, man, Gerard really killed it this time around with uh, Breath of the Wild. So go check out his video. Throw it a like. Uh, you know, Definitely check out his work. If you're not familiar with The Completionist, I don't know what to tell you. You've got a lot of great video content to uh, catch up on and watch. But Breath of the Wild, uh, you know, go check out our spoiler cast as well. So really happy how that came together after... The while that it took to edit, hopefully the uh, Persona 5 turnaround won't be so bad on that. So tune in next weekend for that. Looking forward to talking about that game finally and all of its spoilery, delicious details. Uh, but yeah, Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Trying to stick with that every week. Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we'll come back with you with another episode. If you know something happens during the week, then we'll have a show for you then too. But uh, you know, we're coming up on now a month and a half for E3 2017. So I'm going to make a, a text channel soon in our Discord channel to start to pull together predictions and things, uh, kind of these yes-no questions for E3 that I try to pull together every year. And uh, so check that out. Looking forward to uh, talking about all that and maybe get some community involvement with the creation of the list this year. That'd be a lot of fun. Anyway, uh, that'll be it for this episode. So stay tuned to our Discord channel as everything develops here. Whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on. <laughs>